This is the Mouthpiece Podcast. And we have, you know, people are a little bit mixed on the results this weekend. We're really only one result, Haney versus Leonardo's. And we have Obale versus Donaire, which I'm going to get into. I will talk about, but let's just get into Haney versus Leonardo's. And what I said before, you know, rang true on this fight. And that is that the 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 pressure put on Haney on this fight because of, you know, what he had claimed, right? And I get you have to make these claims. If people are dodging you, no one wants to fight you, that you're the best at that way. You have to do that. That's how you get a following, right? You have to do that when when nothing else is working. You definitely have to, you know, m- make sure that you're get, grabbing people's ears and eyes to face you, for, to pay attention to what you're saying, right? And they put him against Leonardo, who's, you know, extremely talented, uh, has the speed and power to always make him dangerous. But because of what everything Haney said and everything that his fan base has said, it was, and because of what they said about Leonardo when he fought Lomachenko, that it was a fight that he was supposed to run through, that he was going to just knock him out and outclass him and completely just, you know, establish his dominance on the fight. And that's not what played out. Now, did he look good in the fight? Yes. I thought, going, I thought like around the, Seventh, eighth round, I thought this was his most complete performance. He showed everything he could do. He could box. He can go forward. I know people were saying he's a little more flat-footed. Um, I know that he was trying to show that. Um, but I also think that that was because he was finally Norris. And I knew they that they had saw what I saw, that when Neely Norris had got stopped, it was because he had to step back. And he couldn't get his game going. And Lee Norris coming forward is a little more dangerous. And him going backwards is less dangerous. And if you notice when Haney went forward, it was actually his most effective. So people saying that because he switched his style, he was more hittable. He was actually his most effective going forward in the fight. It's when he got, got stuck going backwards. And he had made mistakes that I had previously seen where Haney is a good defensive fighter, but he does get, he can get countered. Uh, he is very open to counters, especially after his shots. And that's what Leonardo saw. And he saw the uh, right hand after the left, after left hook Haney throws. That was there, and I had saw. I said that going into this fight, I knew that that would land, and I was just curious how Haney would respond to it. And he had got hurt, and once he got hurt, he never really truly recovered. Over three rounds, he never truly recovered. Now there were other rounds where I thought Leonardo did have uh, did do some good work, and I thought honestly, I thought the fight could have been scored a draw. Now that part, everybody's questioning me. I need to rewatch the fight and score it again. Now there's two rounds, I believe it was the. Maybe third and fourth that I thought Leonardo's could have took, right? And then he had kind of taken like the last, somewhere close to like the last five rounds, he had taken four of them, in my opinion, right? And he, he definitely had hurt him a few times. Um, especially last round, Haney was a purely unsurvival mode. But I'm 100% fine with Haney winning the decision here because he did do good work. It was, I thought it was a close fight, and Haney winning, I'm, I'm very fine with. I didn't think Leonardo's won the fight at any point. I thought he maybe could have got a draw, but I was okay with the Haney win. But it wasn't because Haney was going forward. It wasn't because Haney changed his style. It was because Leonardo's is good. He's a good fighter. And Haney makes some, some mistakes. And his mistakes are there. And, you know, we never really talk about it. And some guys, you know, they, they look like they're defensively sound, right? That they have that style, a certain style that looks defensively sound. But there's still openings. And sometimes you got a guy like Ryan Garcia, which is the fights being compared to the most, right? Because Haney and Garcia are so close to each other in weight and age. But Garcia gets dropped, right? And you can all see we can all see the error that he made. So then that automatically be like, oh, he's not good defensively, right? And because it's easy to see. But Haney's a little bit 
you know, I think you have to be a little more knowledgeable eye to see the mistakes he's making. But he does drop his hand after he does a left hook. He does kind of uh, let his uh, commit to shots, which allows him to be open to response, right? He, it, it's just that's there. I, I said that before going into the fight. I'm not just saying it now. I'm saying I said it before going into the fight. And Leonardo was the kind of guy that could capitalize that because of his speed, because combination punches, because uh, he's more skilled than what he was getting credit for going into this fight. And Haney was put in a bad spot because they put the guy down. So now it would look like he wasn't fighting anyone for real. And now the fight's over. Everybody's like, well, is Haney for real? I think Haney is for real. I think Haney's a damn good fighter. And he just beat a damn good fighter. Another good fighter. Now, is Haney to the level of Teofimo Lopez? No, I don't think so. Is he at the level of Lomachenko? No, I don't think so. Is he at the level of Tank Davis? No, not yet. But he's only 22 years old. So is he supposed to be at that level? No. But because of the hype and because of what he said, it kind of like said, look at me at that level. And we looked at you at that level and we don't think you're at that level. And we don't think, I don't think Ryan Garcia is at that level yet. And I said that at the Ryan Garcia fight. I think Haney and Garcia are really close. And I think that that fight's making way more sense now. And I think Haney has... With this fight, whether people, you know, are putting him down or hating on him or, you know, saying he's looked everything that they thought he was as good as they thought he was, he is definitely more known after this fight than he was going before. Leonardo's was probably his last, you know, truly, you know, big fight for Leonardo's, I think, in my opinion. And it was, he held himself, I think he held himself very well. Um... Now, where does Haney go from here, right? There's uh, They said they want to fight Tiafima Lopez. I don't think that's a good idea. I really don't. I think that the Garcia fight makes sense. I think a few more guys like Linares doesn't hurt either. I don't know what the rush is. We're in a point where we got to rush everyone, but I just don't think that he's Tiafima Lopez's level right now. Now, he definitely is going to grow. He's definitely going to be better in a few more fights, but so is Tiafima Lopez. Let's get Haney where he's maxed out, where we know that this is the best he's going to be. And then get him those shots. But I just don't think he's there yet. I think the Leonardo was a perfect opponent at this point. If we got past all the pre-hype and all that stuff, if you just look at skill to skill, that was a perfect opponent. Now fight the winner of Fortuna, uh, Jojo Diaz. Fight that winner. That's, like, perfect. That's, like, you right there is Jojo. If Jojo Diaz wins, right, he's a name. Jojo Diaz is a name. You guys, and he's a former champ, and he's a guy that has some skill to him too. And but he's undersized, and Haney would have that advantage, and they should take advantage of any advantage they can get right now at this point of his career, with especially the name Joe Diaz. Now Fortuna wins, and beats Joe Diaz. Well, then that's a credible threat right there. You could say, okay, he beat Joe Diaz. He's a credible threat. I think that's where you go with it. I don't think he goes here female, and I don't even think that's really that fight's even possible. And I don't think, I don't know where Ryan Garcia is mentally or contractually with Golden Boy which I think is more the problem than anything else, um, to fight David Haney. But I think Jojo Diaz-Fortuna is the fight that should be watched next as the possible opponent for Devin Haney. I, I think David Haney's very skilled. Does he have questionable power? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I can say that. Does he have a questionable chin? We can't say that. We can't say that because he got hit by Linares, and Linares hurts a lot of people, and he, he hurt him. Uh, he didn't drop him. Uh, Haney won three more rounds after that to go to decision. So, no, I wouldn't say questionable chin. I would say we don't know. It's uh, inconclusive at this point, right? Is he defensively good? When he fights defensive, right, and, it's, and he chooses to be defensive, he's very good. When he chooses to be offensive, he's very good. Can he do all the things in the ring? I think he can probably do more things in the ring than of the Tiafimo, of Ryan Garcia, and of Tank. He could probably do more things in the ring. Devin Haney can do more things. Now, is he great at one specific thing? I'm not sure. I haven't seen that yet. I don't think he's... 
an elite offensive fighter. I don't think he's an elite defensive fighter. But he has all these things. He's a mixed bag of things like a uh, Hopkins type fighter, uh, Hopkins or Andre Ward, and those and those are great fighters. You compare him, he's a great he's a great fighter. He's gonna be a great fighter. But you gotta. I know they're doing this. The the thing that's the problem right now in boxing was especially like even Ryan Garcia is the sell job is bigger than what he actually is at this moment, and I think that hurts him. I think that hurts him. I think they need more time to build. And he's getting paid good to do this. And I think he's bringing the hype. He's bringing the attention. So it's probably worth the pay. But if we want to get him to these, you know, mega opponents, I just think that's too soon for that. I just don't think he's there yet. Good fight. Um, Right opponent right now. I think the Jojo Diaz Fortuna is going to be watched very closely by Haney. I think Ryan Garcia probably would like to get the winner of that too. But I don't know. Let's see what Ryan Garcia does with his contract. I think he's really trying to get that El Hoya contract. I think that's mostly what's going on here. But we're going to see. All, all in all, Haney, the hype pre-fight was just a little too big for him at this moment. But um, but he, he did what he needed to do. And he did look good. And there were things that you saw that you saw glimpses of, you know, a, a great fighter that he's going to be. But he's just a little young right now. Uh, you can't, you know, truly... Uh, rush him along on that because it's going to hurt his career. Um, this was a good card. Uh, you had Ward versus Fuzil, which was an excellent fight, which Fuzil eventually just, you know, just started landing two, two big shots and Ward just kind of gave in. And then he had Quigley versus Mosley Jr., which I didn't ha- I didn't actually see, right? But I heard this was a good fight. I'm going to watch it today. Uh, maybe I'll give a breakdown later. But uh, Mosley Jr., who's Kind of not been able, he's been like a journeyman, more type fighter, looking to get to that next step. And Quigley was kind of stagnant too. And these two fight each other. Uh, Quigley takes a majority decision on it. Um, where they go from there, you know, Golden Boy, they, they don't have a problem putting together good cards. They really don't. Um, and these are two Golden Boy fighters right here. So I think Quigley will get a, a you know, they'll, they'll get an interesting fight. Uh, he's definitely going to get an interesting fight going forward. Golden Boy, uh, you know, they don't put on much cards, but when they do, they match up pretty well. So they're, they're, I give them credit on that. that so that was, all, that was all around good card. Then you go to the PBC card, and we had Obali versus Donaire, right, on the UFC card. And I, I had Obali. Uh, I had picked Obali to win this fight because I knew Donaire was more skilled than him. I knew that he was the, you know, um, he had more abilities than him. He was better in the ring. He could do more things in the ring. But I just thought Donaire's age, he'd been out of the ring a while. Last time was against a new, a new, which was a good fight, but a fight that he had lost and took a lot of damage in. And I wasn't sure what you were going to get. And I thought O'Bally likes to work. Doesn't have that much damage on him. And I just thought he would outwork him. I thought that Donaire would have moments, but O'Bally would eventually just ha- have more numbers to him and win a decision. O'Bally didn't survive when Donaire had his moments. And Donaire looked damn good in this fight. He didn't just look like he was, you know... He didn't look like an old fighter who was just waiting on one big shot. No, it looked like a guy that was setting up a lot of things. His legs looked good. They looked they had a lot of pop to them. His punches had a lot of pop to them. Uh, he he did a thing where he wanted to see what Obali had, right? And the mistake, I think, is guys say, like, oh, he's kind of patient letting us see what happened. But he just lets the guy work and do whatever the hell he wants. He was doing that. He was putting pressure on him, but without punching. He was putting pressure on him with movement. He would throw one shot. Uh, but not two, not three, because he didn't know his timing yet. He didn't want to get caught. He didn't want to give away his timing. And he, when he did that, Obali, Obali started like really revealing what he had because Obali has more of like, 
He's like a very, 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 very good amateur style, right? But he's not giving you much other looks. He's kind of just like straightforward. And Donier starts seeing that's it, like it's the same thing over and over and over and over again. And once he had saw that, he he, he set up some big shots, set up an uppercut. He put pressure. I know there was some controversy on like the end of the round, but in boxing, when the the combos are happening for both fighters, even the bow rings at that point. You know, it's it's a little bit of a gray area whether you count it or not. Now, maybe they say, oh, don't count the knockdown, right? But then the guy's still hit at the end of the round. He's still hurt going into the thing. I don't know. That's a tough one, right? I, mean, I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know if there was much complaints from the Bali side on it, but I still just think, I didn't think they changed really the outcomes of the fight. I thought Janeiro was a superior fighter, uh, still a great at 38 years old. And you now you're going into, um, you know, 118 to 122, they're two different weight classes, right? 118 is one weight class, 122, but they're so close to each other. And to me, if you combine those two weight classes, you have one of the most stacked weight classes in boxing, right? You have Donaire, Inouye, um, you have um, a cool boy staff, Leo, Brandon Figueroa, Neri, um, Casamero, Casamero, like you have all these, just a bunch of killers at that weight class. Now, and Donair has entered himself in that way because of one of the champ and a contender at 118. And he's looking for interway, but there's 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 plenty of other fights. You know, Casemiro is going to fight um, Riggin. I believe he's fighting Rigandale. And if the winner should fight probably Donair, that would make a lot of sense to me. And that kind of like eliminates Inouye who's stuck in top rank and can't get these fights. So it's interesting. PBC kind of little chess moves here of to taking control of that weight class. And I know they see the 122s right there. So they're saying like, well, this, have these guys beat each other, figure out the best guy here, figure out the best guy here and have them fight each other in a, in a, in a damn good fight that, you know, this is like for like the boxing heads, you know what I mean? Not the general audience maybe, but true boxing heads are really appreciative of these, uh, these type of fights. You had, um, Russell fought in the undercard, fought Santiago, who Santiago to me probably beat Broner last time they fought, or at least, you know, a draw, but didn't get the decision. So he fought Russell, Gary Russell, Antoine Russell. And, um, man, Russell looked good. He looked really good. And the one thing that I noticed in, in his style is that he never, like, gave you anything. He never gave Santiago a moment to, like, look at something for too long. If he, like, he attacked, and if, if not, he switched his position. He got his back to the ropes, he switched out of it. He was never, like, settled for a position ever. or never settled in a bad position. And I just thought that was really skilled. Um, you know, Russell, he has, like, a, a look to him. You know what I mean? He has a, his, his fro is dyed, his shorts. Like, he just, he has, he's definitely going to be an interesting character in boxing. And he has the skills to back it up. And it's I'm interested to see how they match him up going forward. He looks like he wants only tough fights, only thing. And he really, he showed the skill to me to say, put him where and whoever he wants. Because he looks that damn good. The thing, though, that I don't know if they were talking about enough in the, Broadcast says that he was not giving up position. Like, that's such an important thing in boxing is, like, you're positioning in the ring, right? And he never gave you it. And if he hit him, he turned and, like, was like, okay, you're gonna, we're going to reset, and I'm going to beat you on this reset again. Because he knew that he was superior to Santiago. Like, if their both minds are working at the same time and their bodies are working at the same time in the same position, he was going to beat him to it. But when he went, he didn't want Santiago to give Santiago uh where Santiago's mind was catching up to the position he was in. He would switch it again, so then Santiago had to restart his body and his mind. It was just too much. It was just superior thing. We're like, the funny thing is, like, Broner does, like, the opposite. Broner stays in front of you forever. He 
It just stays in front of you. And now he may be faster than you or something like that, but you're still like seeing the same thing and eventually you're going to catch up to it. And that's when Broner starts falling apart. Russell wasn't giving that. He wasn't giving that at all. He was just like, I hit you, I'm faster than you, I'll combo off you, and I'm going to switch outside and we're going to restart the whole thought process. It was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful performance. They said this guy be Anderson in the amateurs. I don't really give a damn about the amateurs, but it just shows he's high level. He's a high level guy. He's been a high level prospect. And now that he's here and with basically no hype behind him, right? Um, I'm curious with the, where they match him up next. He's going to be one of the more interesting guys, how they match him going forward. You had Mateus versus Jukumbayev. And I had bet Jukumbayev on this fight on my fake money real bets. So don't worry, I didn't really lose money. But what I saw was just a superior skill, right, in Jukumbayev, right? And th- this is my mistake. This whole week was I screwed up the bets all thing because – I think I took too quick a glance and I needed to look deeper into what I was seeing. Cause I saw the, you see Jukumbayev and he, it's the kind of guy like you've seen him hit bag or pads and you see him fight lesser talent. He looks amazing. He's got skills. He's balanced, all these things. Um, and Mateus, he, he doesn't, you know, he's winning all these fights, but he, you're like, ah, you know, it kind of looks like he could get hit a lot. Kind of looks like, you know, he walks into shots just straight up, but you know, has he been hit, hurt? Has he been dropped? Has he been stopped? Has he, uh, you know, what did his shots do? What is he, how effective is he? And we learned that quick because Jukumbayev started off how I thought he was. He was superior to him. He was moving around. He was hitting him with shots. But Matthias was kind of just like coming forward. Um, he didn't have to, he didn't take much on his shots. Like, honestly, he might be like Hurd um, when Hurd was like his most effective. Is just like the little shots. He was just kind of like putting little shots on you. And the, the thing with the like the less movement on his shots is he could get more off on you. So like when he does get you in a position, it's like three shots and you're feeling it. And then Jukabaya was really moving around a lot. He was doing a lot of things like if I could break it down to a simpler form, like when Connor fought Floyd. And Floyd talked about this going into the fight. Like Connor likes to move around, switch legs and all that. And that burns your energy. Like if I'm, I'm he's switching legs, he switches dances, he's bouncing around, circling and all that. It's a lot of energy being burned. Jukumbaya was burning a lot of energy in this fight. Like he was, all his movements were very like pronounced. They were excessive on his legs. And I didn't think he needed all that. I thought sometimes, you know, a, a few inches will gain you the distance you need not to get hit. A little slip of the head doesn't fully need the full legs with it to turn in a full circle. Like I know I was just saying Russell, right? That's what he did. He would switch to angles, right? To restart. But Jukabai was just constantly, if you were in front of him, and especially against Mateus, who's just constantly coming forward, he's not going to care what's coming at him. It, it was burning his legs out. I think he needed would have been better off hitting and then holding and and buying himself time like that or just a game of inches, just like literally make Matias earn every inch. But he didn't. He would move around and Matias would just make him work just by going forward, just by the idea of pressure. Really broke Juma Baev. And then the shots where he was just like, he could get a lot of power and a little bit of shots, a little bit of movement on his shots. And it just broke him down. End of the fight, Matias is going to be tough as long as his chin and body hold up you know what i mean a lot of things with with this type of style and this type of fighter it's just like just depending on their body like what can their body take until it just gives and once it gives he's beatable but it hasn't gave yet and that's what she'll look at jukin um and now we're gonna see who they match up for jukin is still talented fighter but just those things like that you know when those pressure fighters break you you gotta learn how to fight that style and he didn't know what to do at that time. And he might have just ran into a guy that's body was just still ready to take that. Still had his shield up. You know what I mean? Still ready to take those shots. And it was just too much for him. And I believe the movement was just, he had too much excessive movement. I would have just, if I was almost, hey, stop moving so much. You know what I mean? Like, take a step back. 
uh, get in and grab them, then buy yourself some time. But stop moving so much. Stop dipping your legs and jumping out to the side of the left. And it's just like burning yourself out. Like no one can keep up this pace. It's a very special fighter that can keep up that kind of pace with just like constant movement like that. Um, great, great weekend of fights. It's been consistent. Like I, I'm just gonna go through what we've been having for fights. Like I, I, I rank, I pre-grade. So like let's say I'll just give an example. The pre-grade for Haney versus Leonardo's, right? I thought it was a three out of five. I thought it was a good matchup. Um, Leonardo hasn't had a big win in a while. Uh, it wasn't, you know, a, you know the. At least a, the real top top of the weight class, a, a legit top guy at the weight class. But it was a good fight, good test for uh, Devin Haney. I gave it a three. At the end of it, I gave it a three again. I thought the card was solid. I thought this fight had plenty of storylines going into it and had left with a plenty of storylines. Even if it was questions on Devin Haney or everything, it still left with some little bit of buzz and hype to it. On uh, Nordin Obale, I have given it a three going in versus Donaire because I liked the matchup. It was an even, fair matchup. And Donaire was kind of a little bit of star power in boxing. Um, and then the whole card was just solid. Like, it was just, like, fair matchups all the way across. Okay, end result, I gave it a four. I thought he had three fights I thought were, uh, well, two fights. That's, I thought Russell was kind of one-sided. But it was a beautiful performance and left with a lot of buzz around Russell. And then you had uh, the Matias fight, which was a war until it ended. You know what I mean? It was back and forth. And then you had the um, Donaire performance, which was just, like, let you know that he's back. And it leaves you with that buzz on it. So I gave it a four at the end of it. But let's think, last week we had Neri versus Brandon Figueroa, right? And that was a great fight. I gave that fight a five. Uh, just the, the ending of it, the war of it, the Frank Figueroa setting himself up to be, you know, a challenge for the top guy at the weight class now. And then you had Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders before that. Andy Ruiz versus Chris Ru- uh, Ariola before that. We had um, Navarrete versus Chris Diaz, which actually turned into a better fight than we thought. <sighs> Tony Harrison and Brian Perel was a better fight than we thought. Ennis versus certainly Libnitz was Ennis's breakout. Joel Smith versus Maxim Vaslov was a hell of a fight. You know, borderline fight of the year. Uh, you know, he's right. It's right there for fight of the year. Honestly, um, oh, we've just been having fight great, good fight after good fight. And you have a bunch of good matchups. And this week we're going into Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. I'm gonna have an opinion on it. I'm good. We got MMA this week. We got UFC. You know, we. But I know Logan Paul Mayweather. I'm gonna have a few podcasts on it. I have an opinion on the fight. I have an opinion on, you know, I'm going to break it down just how I break down any fight. And, you know, you take what you want from it. Like I said, on the other podcast, I'll get more deep into it. But I think we've really been getting some damn good fights, some damn good matchups. And MMA is always bringing good matchups. UFC is always bringing good matchups. So right now, if you're a fight fan, like you're just getting the best of everything. I really do. I feel like we're hitting a sweet spot right now. It's about to be a really good summer for fights. And I'm enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying it. And I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Thanks for listening.